Hi, thanks for listening to Extreme Encounter Ministries podcast. We pray that you are blessed and challenged through this time and through this teaching. God bless you, and thanks again for listening. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you breathe life through this Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that your word goes into our heart like a garden, like a seed that is planted, Father. And I thank you, God, that it produces in our lives. God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your very breath, breathing through this word, breathing in this house today. God, I thank you that the breath from the beginning that brought life brings life today. And God, we thank you for ears that hear and hearts that respond, and we um, give you alone all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Turn to John chapter 12, if you will, or it'll be up yonder, up yonder on the big screen, if that helps you. John chapter 12... um, at the beginning of chapter 12 is, if you remember, it's when uh, the anointing at Bethany where Mary and, uh, um, anointed Jesus' feet. And remember, they complained and they said, this is so costly. This could have been used um, to feed the poor. And remember Jesus' response. You know the story concerning that. And then we go on and Jesus begins to predict his death and what was to take place because of what he did. And let's just, for the sake of time, let's start with verse 27. Jesus is speaking here and he says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And he's going to go on to talk about the reason that he came, the reason for the cross. You've got to get this, folks, because as believers, the cross is to identify us. We identify by the cross. The work of the cross is to, um, is to, is to, uh, um, it's to be who we are in this life. And he says this, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, remember there's two other times. It was during Jesus' baptism and the Mount of Transfiguration that we heard the voice. But this time specifically, and I believe that Jesus is doing it on purpose. Says, I, uh, says, a voice says this, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said angels had spoken. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. And I believe that Jesus was setting them up saying, there's a voice that you've got to hear. I'm going to go, and when I go, there's a voice to hear. There's a voice to hear. For your sake, there's a voice to hear. God speaks today. And not only does he speak, he speaks clearly. But we don't always hear clearly, which is why Scripture always admonishes us to him who has ears to hear, right, what the Spirit is saying. We need to have ears to hear. Jesus is setting us up here. that There's a voice, and we've got to hear it. Now look at this, verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world. See, there's judgment concerning sin. And he said here, now is the judgment of this world. Jesus is saying, for all the things that have, you have done, all the wrong, all the stuff that has separated you from God, there is judgment. There's judgment. He said, there's judgment for sin. 
for that, the, the lust that you've acted upon, for the sins that people have known about and the stuff that no one knows about but you. He said there's judgment for these sins. That's what Jesus said. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And he says this, listen to this. And he said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all, new King James says, peoples to myself. King James, I believe, says men. And if you notice, that word there is italicized, which means when it was translated, that word wasn't even there, it didn't exist. And that's important to understand because the scripture before that says now judgment is here. There's judgment concerning sin. Okay, so here's his response to that. He said, and if I am lifted up, oh my God, this is so good. He says, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. All what? All judgment. So he said, there's judgment concerning sin. Because that other word, is it italicized in your, ta- in your, your Bible? Most translation, I believe it's italicized, so it wasn't there. He said, I will draw all to myself. All judgment will be brought to me. That's why scripture says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Judged is every man who hangs on the tree. And listen, our justice concerning sin is not always God's justice concerning sin. We look at the things that people do and even we keep ourselves heaped in condemnation because of the mistakes that we've made and we see the wrongs in this world. We go, we want justice, we want justice, we want justice. But Jesus, God and Holy Spirit said, the cross is justice. That's why his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. And he says, when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, all the judgment, if you receive this, concerning your sin, is taken on Jesus. Every bit of judgment, those secret sins, that stuff that you think no one knows about, the stuff that for the longest time has held you down and kept you from the purpose that God has for your life. Jesus said, I took all the judgment for that mess upon the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, because the next verse tells us that he's talking about the way that he was going to die. So he's talking about the cross. We sing songs about lift him up, lift him up. And that's fine and that's good, but that's not what he was talking about in this particular passage. He's talking about lifting him up from the earth on the cross. He said, I'll take all judgment on myself. God, that's good news. Go to Colossians, if you would, please. Chapter 2. We're going to jump down again for the sake of time. We could read all of this. It's so good. How many love Colossians? There's just, it's just chock full of good, love, Jesus, happy, good, good. Can't think of enough words. Good stuff. Happy, smile, freedom stuff. Verse 11 says this. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision, the cutting away of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. 
listen, and you being dead in your sins and the, uh, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all what? All trespasses. Because judgment was served at the cross. Judgment was served at the cross. There's wrath waiting, but judgment is served at the cross. God is not mad at you. We receive Jesus and it's dealt with instantaneously. Makes no sense. That's why his ways are not your ways. Because a child molester... And a person that's been in church their whole life can receive Jesus Christ and instantly they're brand new like a baby. That's why it's not our justice, folks. That's why the thief on the cross did nothing but said, let me be with you. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was nothing that that man could do but receive it. Take it, walk in it. God purposed you before the foundation of the world. Having wiped out the handwriting, here it is speaking concerning the law, the handwriting of requirements is the law that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. He took it and nailed it to the cross. That was what he was doing within the defining picture of, I came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. He exemplified it by nailing it to the cross. The handwriting of requirement was, there must be a price paid. There must be a price paid for your sin. I didn't do anything. Yes, you were born into it. Yeah. God, this is good. And nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, we're not going to go into this, but principal, that's talking about leaders. It's talking about religious leaders. As you read this, that's exactly what they're talking about, is religious leaders who inflict the law, who impose the law. God, just study, look at it. Please look at it because I don't have time, but it's so good. And made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a moon or a Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. He's talking about religion here. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? If you died, if you were justified by the cross, if judgment was taken on the cross, then why do you say, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concerns uh, things which perish? I, I'm, I'm just, I want to read all of this because it really speaks for itself. 
with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. And these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. All of these things that you abstain from. And you say, I can't do that or I'm not going to do that or that's not something I'm going to do or this is not where I'm going to go. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect the body, listen, but are of no value against the indulgences of or the indulgence of the flesh. It's the work of of the cross, people. It's what Jesus did. It's the exchange, that beautiful exchange, the beautiful exchange that took place. I, I can't stop preaching about this because that's our identity. You've got to get who you are. The first area that the devil will attack you is in who you are. It's not your desires or what you want to do, although we would view it as that, but the first area the enemy will attack is your identity. And if he can get you to be confused about who you are, then he can keep you dormant and ineffective for his kingdom. We've said it so many times, but if you remember when Jesus was led by the Spirit, I might add, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, the first temptation was not to eat. It was this. He said, if you are the Son of God, if you are, if you, if you really are a Christian, if you really are, if you really are, if you really are, well, I did do that, and I did do this, and, and, and boy, I, I, you know what? I didn't love, and, and I, oh boy, if anyone knew what I was thinking, if you really are, the attack comes against your identity. But when we understand the completed work of the cross, it produces holiness, purity, and right living. I've got to emphasize this until it, at the light bulb, I'll tell you 50 times if I need to, till the light bulb goes off. Trying to be pure and holy and righteous and not doing bad things does not make you holy. You are holy because of the work of the cross. In the work of the cross produces good things in your life. But being a good boy and girl doesn't produce anything. The cross makes you a good boy and a good girl. But what about, what, what about them? What about what they're doing? What about, oh boy, justice was served at the cross. Justice was served at the cross. Justice was served. He meant it when he said it is finished. He meant it when he said it is finished. And the beautiful thing now is that we can come boldly. That's why we can come boldly. Do you understand? They couldn't come boldly. In fact, everything had to be just right. And if they came and everything wasn't just right, guess what? They died. He says, now you can come boldly before the throne of what? To obtain mercy. Boldly. Boldly to obtain mercy. Think about that. If you need mercy, you're not going to feel very bold. It's denoting that somehow there's ugliness in your life. But he says you can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. You don't have to come with your head held down, with weeping and gnashing of teeth. You come boldly. 
because of what Jesus did. My last scripture, I've got more than I most generally like to use, but Ephesians chapter 1. Yeah, he's good, in case you're wondering. He loves you and he's not mad at you, in case you're wondering. God's thoughts never change. You know how like someone will do something and they're like, oh, I just didn't, I don't know. Someone will do something to us. Or they'll act a certain way. Or they'll do something that we don't like. And our thoughts change, don't they? We're human. That's, oh, I thought I knew you. Jesus knows you. He knows you. He knows you intimately and loves you readily. Despite you. Despite your shortcomings. Despite your mistakes. And his thoughts are always, always, always thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Always that. It's always that. And so we have an objective to manifest the glory of God. Do you know a definition of glory? It means the science of thinking. We have an objective to release the thoughts of God into people's lives. And if we're saying anything contrary to what he thinks then we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. People cringe. Christine, usually during the whole service, will just rock back and forth shaking her head. No, no, no. Please don't. Please don't let him. Please don't let him. Me and the Holy Spirit just laugh and do it anyway. I'm just kidding. Oh, no Easter. Lunch for me. All the guys went, oh. What was I saying? I don't know. I got really scared. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. What was I, what was I saying? Is anyone paying attention to what I was saying? No? Oh, well, you can get the CD. Just thinking about the ham. Glory, the glory, his thoughts. And so if we say anything contrary to what he thinks, then we've got to adjust what we think. Because he always consistently thinks thoughts of good and not of evil to give people a future and a hope. That's what we release to people. That's his glory. It's thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. What does God have for your life? I don't know, but it's thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. What about what I did, Pastor, last month? Oh, okay, that's fine, but guess what? God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I've been so far away from God. I've ran for so long. Guess what his thoughts towards you are? Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And listen, this is a mandate of the church is to release God's thoughts to the world. God's not mad at them. You know who needs a revelation of hell? The church does. We don't, we don't tell people they're going to go to hell if they don't accept Jesus. Will they? Yes. But it's his goodness that leads people to repentance. Thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts of good and not of evil. Do you know what his thoughts are towards the drug addict? Thoughts of good and not of evil. Do you know what the thoughts are to that poor girl who, who didn't know what to do and she had an abortion? They're thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts of good and not of evil because justice was served on the cross. Do you know how you deal with unforgiveness in your life? You recognize that justice concerning that thing that you're having a hard time releasing was dealt with on the cross. Jesus dealt with it. 
so you can carry it till the day you die and strip it out of his hands if you want to, but he dealt with it on the cross. Thank God for that. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, to know him, to know him, to know him, to know his heart, to know his thoughts, to know him, of him. That your, the eyes, excuse me, of your understanding being lightened, that you may know What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Stop there for a minute. What is the hope of your calling? What do we talk about concerning hope all the time? This is not a good picture of hope. This is how we view hope. I hope so. We say it that way too. That's not God's hope. God's hope is there's an expected end. You may not see it, you may not know it, but that's okay because he is yours and you are his. Hope is not this. Hope is, yes, there's an expected end and it's good. And it's good. It's good for you, see. The calling of hope. I lost my spot. I lost my spot. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You're saints, right? Not sinners. Not even sinners saved by grace. You were. It's okay to say it that way, but you're not. You're saints. You're saints. Wrote to the church in Corinth, right? Called them saints. Their actions were contrary. Right? Did you read it? But he said saints. Why? Because the identity is the cross. The identity is righteousness. That's the exchange. He's like, I'm taking your sin. I'm taking everything that defined you. And now you're defined by this, my righteousness. That's good news. Because my righteousness is as filthy rags, but I have the righteousness of God. (laughs) And he says, he says, he says, uh, your inheritance Everything that Jesus has is mine. Everything that Jesus operated in, we church, now are empowered to operate in. Every bit of it. Well, that was Jesus. No, that's you. Well, that was Jesus. That's you. That's why your mindset has got to change. That's you. You have the life of God inside of you. The beauty of it is the same spirit. We, we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And scripture tells us that that same spirit that raised him from the dead, guess where it is? It's out there somewhere. Oh, Jesus, please bring your resurrection power. Beg and plead. Jesus, bring it, bring it, bring it. No, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in this, 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 this. <laughs> the people looked at many times and not qualified, can't do it, shouldn't do it. It's right here. God says, no, I qualified you. I qualified you because of the cross. You're able because of the cross. The inheritance ah, of the saints. 
And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? Oh, this is good news. You can just you can just soak in this. You can just bask in this goodness. Yeah, it's good, right, Jenny? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Seated him in heavenly places. God, that's good because in Ephesians 2, we find out that he also raised up to the, us up to the same position. In Ephesians 2, it says he raised him up above every principality and power, above every name. Every name that's ever had authority over you. Cancer is a name. Rebellion is a name. All those names that you can think of that you've wanted for so long to be freed of, it says that he seated him far above every name that can be named. And then in Ephesians 2, it says he you who were dead he says he raised you up to be seated with him that same position far above every name oh that's good oh my goodness get this get this thank you Jesus for this revelation and he put all things under his feet (laughs) and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Which is his body, comma, the fullness. Wow, that's good. I just saw that. You are the fullness of God. You You are the fullness of God. You have the fullness of God. You are the fullness of God. That's your identity. You're the fullness of God. His body, the fullness of God. The fullness of God is not a spiritual gift. The fullness of God is God himself, and it's inside of us. If it is labeled as anything, it's his love. The fullness of God. God. The fullness of God is right here. (laughs) It's put all things... All things, all things. It's actually things is not there in the original text. It's put all under his feet. All, anything (laughs) under your feet. Anything is under your feet. It's under, no, that's under my feet. Sometimes, you know, it's like we we sound like we're crazy. Sometimes as believers, we we should. Really, you should sound like you're crazy, really. Because there should be a lot of talking to yourself that should be taking place. Really. There should be a lot of babbling and a lot of stuff coming out of your mouth. That's just weird. Oh, listen, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of your mouth when, you know what I'm saying? But when we speak those, no, 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 that stuff that's trying to rise up, no, that's under my feet. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places that has no authority over me. That's under my feet. That's under my feet. Right? Just his body, the fullness of him. Then chapter 2 is where we go into that, and it speaks of grace through faith. But God has purposed you, folks. 
from the beginning. We're all here. We're all at different places. And, you know, we've got people visiting from other churches and different places, people from other towns. But we're all here, right? Right now. This is, look around. You're here. Pinch yourself if you don't realize you're here because you're here. Wait, I am? I thought I was at McDonald's. You're here. And you're purposed by God, which means you're very, very, every minute is purposed by God. Right now is on purpose. Yeah. Dada. That's beautiful. Dada. Let that come out of your mouth. Let that. Let Abba, Daddy, let that come out of your mouth. good. So here's what I want to offer you (laughs) today. I want to offer you release from shame. I want to offer you release from that stuff that's defined you and kept you down. I want to offer you a release from the guilt and condemnation from all that secret stuff. I keep, I keep, Holy Spirit just keeps going back to just the secret stuff, the secret stuff. Do you understand that, yes, you come to Christ and it'll produce in your life a letting go of that secret stuff? It will. But when you understand first and foremost, otherwise you'll continue in the cycle that the secret stuff was dealt with on the cross. You'll continue to do like they did in the Old Testament, making sacrifices over and over again for the things that you do over and over and over again when Christ's sacrifice was enough for you to walk in freedom today. God, we thank you for...